Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. That is radical. That's wonderful. I mean, think about that. This is, this is, this is Jesus speaking. He's saying, listen, you, if you just love me, and that's going to be a result, you let me love you. If you just love me, God's going to love you and God's going to get all excited because when you love my children, because see, my children are dysfunctional and you love my children, not all of them. Now, if you love my children, that makes me happy with you. See, some people know what I'm talking about. Um, I love, I mean, I love it when people love my children. It just makes me happy and God, and God makes God happy when we love Jesus and Jesus says, man, you love me and I love you and I'm going to show myself to you. Anybody, anybody want to see Jesus? Wow. Okay, here it is. Right here. Zinger of the week. I don't know what the zinger of the week was for you, but here it is. Zinger of the week. Right here. Your relationship with God right now reveals what you really believe about Him. That one kind of stuck in my craw a little bit. Your relationship with God right now reveals what you really believe about Him. All right, so a couple of months ago, I went. It was a busy time of the year. Uh, uh, a lot of stuff was going on, and I had to go see this person that they, they do stuff for me that's in the financial realm and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so uh, I, went, I, I went to them, and, I, and, and uh, you go blowing in there, and they go, hey, how's it going? I'm going, man, it's good. Man, I'm tired. I said, it is busy, busy, busy. God is up to so much stuff, and it's just awesome. And, you know, wow. I mean, God's just showing up and showing off. And, uh, and they said, really? Because uh, uh, I'm not really seeing Him these days. To be blunt, they said, I'd have to say He's MIA in my life. And I'm talking to a believer, a professing believer. And I said, well, wow, wow. I said, I'm sorry to hear that because, you know, I, I, I know that God is working. I know that He, you know, is always working. And I know that He loves you and He wants you to experience Him. And He wants you to see what He's up to. I know that. And so I asked this question. I said, here, tell me on a scale of 1 to 100, how would you rate your relationship with God right now? On a scale of 1 to 100, how would you relate your, uh, rate your relationship with God right now? And they said 30. They said 30. I said, well, thank you for being honest. Uh, but now let me, let me uh, ask what you think. I want you to tell me what you think about this statement. Your relationship with God right now reveals what you really believe about Him. And they said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
My 30 does not, does, does not reveal what I really believe. I believe in God and I believe in Jesus and I believe He sent Jesus and I believe that Jesus died for my sins and I believe that Jesus rose for again from the dead. I believe that. And I said, well, but, but you, you gave it a 30. So I, I would just, I would want to submit that this relationship is true. That your relationship, your 30 with God reveals what you really believe about Him. Because it's pretty obvious, you know, you believe that He exists, but you don't believe what He has said about Himself. You don't believe that He is a close Father, a caring Father, a capable Father, a consistent Father. You don't believe that He's a good, good Father. I mean, the reality is, his whole plan is to have a dynamic and intimate relationship with you. Not for you to just intellectually assent to some stuff that's happened because He created you for a real and intimate and dynamic relationship. And what He does is He wants you to know how much He loves you and He wants you to love Him back and He wants you to join Him in what He is doing in this world so that you can see Him. So that He will not be MIA because the reality, He's not MIA. He's not missing an action. God is at work. And what, what verse came to my mind right after that is the verse that's on your, um, on your outline. It's Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no revelation. You know, the old time King James way of saying it, where there's no vision, the people what? Perish. But what it means, where there's no revelation, revelation of what? Revelation of God. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint. What, what did we do when we cast off restraint? We go, I don't give a rip. I'm just going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. How do I want to do it? And I'm going to ask God to bless this thing because I don't understand all this stuff. But I love the way the message puts this verse. Let's look at the message. Here's what's going on. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Stop. Wow. Is this not our culture? Is this not our world? If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what He reveals... They are most blessed. Wow, that's what this experience in God is all about. This is why God's just got our, our cheeks in his, in his palms of His hands. He's going, listen, listen. I'm revealing myself every day. Stop. Flush the stinking thinking. Stop. Get Align your beliefs and your mind with me, allow me to renew that so that I can reveal to you that I am a good, good father and that I love you passionately and intimately and I've got a plan and a purpose for this world and that includes you. On a scale of one to a hundred, how would you rate your relationship with God right now? 30. And then passionately argue, I believe. Is this not a description of a lot of the Christian community? Is this not a description of the misery and the, and, and, and the confusion and the discouragement 
and the frustration of so many believers? So what about you? How would you rate? Just be honest. I'm just saying, nobody else is going to see it. Take it and cover it. How would you, honestly, how would you rate your relationship with God right now on a scale of 100? How would you rate it? Now, some of you are going to go 100 because you are just like in the flow. You're on the wave. You're riding the wave. Some of you, you know, if you're honest with yourself, you're going to do maybe 32. Why? Because you're kind of upset and disappointed at God. There's things that's not happening. You don't understand why they're not happening. You're a little bit mad at God. You're not feeling loved. You're not feeling like you, you, you are transformed. You're not feeling like you are a new creation and all that stuff. Things are not going your way. And so how would you rate that? Just put it there. Just be honest with God. I promise you, I promise you, if you're honest with Him, it's going to, it's going to open your life up to Him unleashing His love on you. Some of you need to honestly put zero because you don't have a relationship with God because you've never trusted His Son. Oh, you believe Him intellectually. You believe Jesus' stuff and He's a historical figure, but you don't believe that He is the living Lord and Savior that has come to embrace you for eternity. Alright, so what does God want us to know? We're in, we're in this journey experiencing God. What does God want me and you to know? If, if, there, if you've ever felt that He was missing an action, if you've ever felt alone, if you've ever felt lost, if you've ever felt discouraged, if you've ever felt frustrated, what does God want us to know as He is leading us to Himself and to experiencing Him? Alright, here's the first deal. Page 72 is this past week. I know... God more intimately as He reveals Himself to me through my experiences with Him. You will know God more intimately as He reveals Himself to you through your experiences with Him. Now that's not to discount Sunday school and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, because that is an encounter and it needs to be an experience. But you're just not going to go and rotely read the Bible because Jesus even got onto the Pharisees. He said, you, you passionately study the Scriptures thinking that they will bring eternal life, but they just point to the one that brings eternal life. So you're messed up. You think that by a lot of Bible knowledge that you're going to be okay. That's not what it is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's as we experience Him, as we respond to Him, one of the amazing and mind-blowing things about our relationship with God is reality number three of experiencing God. God invites me to become involved with Him and His work. God is inviting you to become involved in Him and His work. Whose work is it? His work. Is it your? No, it's His work. God invites me and you to become involved with Him, not take over, not take charge, not control, but to become involved with Him in His work. That's an amazing truth. A good example of this is Moses. You know, we see it throughout Scripture, but, you know, we'll just start with good old Moses. And, um, and, 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 and the burning bush experience, you know, Moses, you know, knew about God and all this kind of stuff. He tried to help God out, got Him in trouble for about 40 years, you know, and he was out in the you know, wilderness and tending sheep and all that stuff. But now God just reveals Himself to Moses in a burning bush. 
And he says, this is what I want you to do. I'm, I'm about to set my people free and I want you to be involved in that. And so Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. What in the world does that mean? I am deliverance. I am Abba Father. I am who I am. I am about to do something in history and I'm inviting you to join it. I am going to do what I'm going to do because history is my story. So, I am who I am. Now, there were several other examples in our study. If you, if you, and by the way, if you, if you don't have time to do stuff, so, I would, I would, I would passionately encourage you, please try to, try to do the studies. You know, it's only five days. We've got seven. Try to do it. But if for some reason you can't do it, please, please don't let guilt and shame come in there. That's a tactic of the devil. God, that ain't the way God functions. But don't let it keep you from coming and let's sharing together because God is here. Would you agree? And he wants us to encounter him in his, in his presence. So there were several other instances, you know, where M Moses now is, you know, following God and, you know, and God is doing his work. And, and, uh, there was, uh, the big, you know, anytime we're doing God's work, we're going to have opposition. You ever experienced that? Have you ever tried to join God in what he's doing and you face a lot of opposition and there's some mountains and there's some discouragement and there's some enemies? Well, there's the Malachites and the Malachites were bad boys. They, you know, they were the Rambos, you know, back in that day, you know, and they were really bad and the Israelites were like, uh, 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 uh. and God said, Hey, Moses, I want you to get up on the mountainside and I want you to hold your arms and the staff up. And then as long as you do that, uh, uh, Joshua and all the people, we Gonna, we're going to kick some honey. Alright? So we're going to take care of business. And so that's, that's what Moses did. He got up on the hillside and he said, Josh, get them. Go, Y'all go get them. Go get them. Go get them Amalekites. You know, and, and uh, they did. And as long as he had his ha arms held up, uh, they were just, they, they were taking care of business. They were defeating the Amalekites. But then Moses, like me and you, he kind of gets tired and he goes like, uh, uh, uh. and then all of a sudden the Amalekites, ooh, have a surge. And then, and then so, um, her and Aaron go, whoop, you know, we're going to come up there and support one another. This is a good picture in the fact that we need each other. I need you. You need me. We need people in our lives. Stop being lone rangers thinking we can do it by ourselves. And so they go, whoop, and they pick it back up. They sit him down. They got his arms up. And then they completely annihilate him, the Amalekites. And God said, I want you to go down there and I want you to declare the reason for this. Who gets the glory? God gets the glory. And, and then he declared that place, the Lord is my banner. For me and you would be the Lord is my flag. So that means me and you as followers of his, we kind of carry the Lord flag. You know, when, when somebody's carrying the American flag and, 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 and then we have our Pledge of Allegiance and all that kind of stuff and we sing the national anthem, you know, or, or you go to an embassy in, an, in another country, I mean, that, that's something special. We are Americans. And then we get in, we break into the Lee Greenwood song. I'm proud to be an American, you know, where at least I know I'm free. Anybody, okay, am I doing good, Matt? Thank you. All right, so. So, you know, the, the Lord is my banner. God wants me and you not to be secret agents. There are no secret agents for God. He wants us to declare it. You know, just to say, oh man, I, glory to God. I'm His. 
I love him. He loves me. And then there was, there was the other instance in Genesis uh, uh, 22 that we, we were reading through this week where God says, you know, Abraham, I want you to, uh, Abraham, I want you to uh, go out there and uh, I'm going to make a great nation. Oh, but by the way, I want you to go sacrifice Isaac. And uh, that's a whole story in and of itself. It's so profound and so awesome. But, you know, and there's always a lot of questions I get about that. You know, it's like, did we, was he really going to do it? And all that kind of stuff. Well, bottom line is God provided. God provided the sacrifice. God provided. So all of a sudden now, God is my provider. I am your banner. I am your provider. I am. What is it that you're going through right now? What, what is it that you are experiencing right now? What is it that God... Maybe, maybe for you, maybe for you it is provider. Because right now you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Maybe for you right now, God is saying, I want to be your identity. Maybe for you right now, it is just your help. Maybe it is your hope. I mean, there's just countless ways that God wants to be your I am. Fill that in for your life. What is God saying to you? I am your comfort. I am your healer. I am your Savior. What is He speaking to you right now? Because see, what He does is He comes to us and He initiates that in our life. You know, if we look throughout history, we see that God is primarily called ordinary people. But unfortunately, what we do in our day is we have a tendency to go, well, man, those are just, you know, special agents for God. Those, you know, those are uh, uh, supernatural kind of people. But they were just all ordinary people. Look at the disciples. They were ordinary until God invited them and they responded to God's invitation. And then whenever they just wholeheartedly, when they just released their lives to God, when they released their lives to God, God began to do amazing and supernatural things to, through them. Right? Right? Amazing. But too often we look at the lives of these people that God has used and we say, well, I, I, I could never be like them. I, 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 I couldn't. I mean, those are, those are Bible characters. Or we look at even people today. And, and we see them just rocking with God and full of faith and courage and confidence and seeing fruit coming out of their life. I just couldn't, I could never be like them. I could never do what they do. But when you say I can never do what they do or I could never be like them, you are saying more about what you believe about God than you are saying about what you believe about yourself or about other people. That's where this belief things get confused. I can never. I, it was never those people in the first place. It wasn't Moses, and it wasn't Abraham, and it wasn't Joshua, and it wasn't Paul, and it wasn't any of those guys. It was God coming to them, embracing them, and saying, I will do it. I am inviting you to join me, to be involved with me in the work that I'm doing in history. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. I know we got a lot of plans and all that kind of stuff, but He is inviting us to say, hey, you know what? I might just need to kind of put these off to the side and not let these plans be my God. How often have we allowed our plans, our schedule, our bank account be our God? God's saying, please stop. Please. Come on. 
You know, when Jesus, and I like the King James, when, when Jesus called the disciples and he was just kind of trucking through, you know, over there and, and he'd come up to him and he says, follow me and I will make you to become. What did he say? Fishers of men. But here's the main thing. Follow me and I will make you to become. Become what? A whole lot, a whole lot more than what we can become ourselves. A whole, a whole lot more than what others think we can become. Follow me and I will make you become. Here's the question. Is your life today an expression of what God has made you to become? Or are you still practicing religion? Are you still trying to do it? Are you still substituting religion and churchanity and uh, all this stuff for relationship? Jesus, follow me and I will make you become. Wonderful, radical invitation. Now turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to read a few verses here. These are verses, some of these verses, I mean, I used to, in my Christian life, just kind of struggle a little bit with. Because, see, I love God. I love the whole concept that Jesus died for me and that I would be able to go to heaven when I die and that I live in America and I'm free. So I took some of that uh, liberty of being an American and being free into my relationship with God and I can free to do whatever I want to do. And God's grace is sufficient, you know, <laughs> Hallelujah. But then I come to these verses like verse 15 in John chapter 14 and, and where Jesus is talking to His disciples says, if you love Me, you will obey what I command. Boom. And I'm be going, oh man. If you love Me, you will obey what I command. Now, unfortunately for a lot of us, uh, the word command brings up a lot of negative connotations. For many people, especially if you grew up in a legalistic culture, right? I command you. And then when we, what we think of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, and, but, and so Satan will use that and he'll get it all twisted up. But let's look at it in a little different light. Let's look at it like this. If you love me, then anything I say to you, you will put into practice in your life. You're going, you're watering it down. No, 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 no. That's what it means. To keep or to obey simply means that you incorporate it, you believe it, and you put it into practice in your life, right? If you love me, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Let's talk about that word command a little bit more. See, every word that we have from God is life. It's not like a suggestion. It's not like optional. It's not like, let me consider that. Now I'm going to go get three other opinions and then we'll figure this thing out. Nope. Every word of God that He gives to us is life. Look over in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 through 20. Uh, if you didn't bring your Bible, there's a Bible in front of you and it tells you the page, 201 right there. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. <clears throat> and so he says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you. This, this day I call heaven and earth. Uh, in the Blackaby study, he points out that there are times, there are certain times throughout history that God says, I'm going to call all creation as witnesses. I'm going to call all of creation, not just a few. I'm going to call all creation as witnesses that I have said this. 
that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. Wow. Choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to His voice, and hold fast to Him. And then what does He say? For the Lord is what? For the Lord is your life. That's what He's always wanted. He's always wanted to be your life. The Lord is your life. What does God want me to know? He is life. He is my life. I don't have to make life, manufacture life, sustain life. He is my life. And then look at this. Deuteronomy 32. Just flip over a couple of pages. 32, 46-47. So, so Moses is you know, with Joshua and he said to them, Take to heart all the words that I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are not just idle words for you. They are what? Your life. It was through the spoken word of God that he created. It was out of nothing. He spoke the word and there's life. And so he is saying that he is our life and that his words are our life. Their life. My life. Your life. Amazing life. And so you go, well, that's all Old Testament stuff. But no, but the same thing is true because God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him believes that what? That he is what? The way, the truth, and what? Life. He's life. Alright, so if we choose not to respond to what He says to us, we, we go our way without God. I've got some competition going on. But I'm going to win. Because He's my life. Alright, do you hear what I'm saying? If we choose not to respond when God speaks, we choose to go our way without God. And what is He says? He said before us life and death. That always brings death to whatever the situation is. I'm going to do what I think is best in my situation. And guess what? How many relationships have died because we chose what we think instead of what God thinks? How many opportunities have we missed because we chose fear over faith? You know, how many things have we missed? And it dies. Even opportunities to join with God. And He keeps passing by because what His mercies are new when? Every morning. He is patient. He is kind. His loving kindness endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Alright, back to John 14. Fair, you may be getting lucky. Alright, John 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself to him. So again, let's just take this word command. Let's help us understand this. 
I mean, this is the Word of God, the authoritative Word of God, yes. But let's, let's look at it like this. Whoever clearly is holding in his heart and mind what I have said and keeps them is the one who loves me. You know, if we hear what God has said, let, it, let Him turn it, let Him help you understand what we used to sing about. Beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of life. Don't let Satan come in there and rob you of the life-given truth of God's words. And twist it because your filter is all funky because of your legalistic culture that which you were brought up in. Verse 23, And Jesus replied, If anyone loves Me, he will obey My teachings. My Father will love him, and we will come to Him and make our home with Him. That's pretty awesome. What, if you love Me, you're going you, to hold what I have to say in your heart and your mind and you're going to practice it. And My Father will love you. And we will come and make our home with you. See, that's where He wants you. He wants you to be at home with Him. And then we come to the verse that we don't like to come to. But we've got to take it all, right? Because we can't change it. Verse 24. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. So when I say, man, I love God. You know, I just have a tough time, you know, keeping His commands. I just have a tough time doing what He says. I just have a tough time. I love Him. But well, what's the problem? Well, look at this next deal. It was in, it was in your, it was in your in study this past week. If you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. Focus your attention on God's love. See, if we're having a problem following God and embracing His life-giving words, then it's a love problem. We're trying to do it on our own rather than allowing Him to do it in us and through us. We, if we have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. We need to start with the first button in the first buttonhole with love. Never in your life will God express His will toward you except as an expression of His perfect love. He can't. He can never give you second best. His nature will not let Him. See, God's commands are expressions of His love nature for us. Even in the Bible, on your outline and here on the screen, 1 John 5.3 says, In fact, this is love for God to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Well, I always thought they were. I thought they were very burdensome. I always thought that they were very limiting. I thought they were very restricting. I thought they were robbing me of my freedom. No, they're not burdensome. They're life-giving. He gave the example, Blackaby gave the example even in our study, is, is like, hey, this world is like, it's got landmines all over it. And so you can just go blasting your way through there on your own or you can just have somebody that says, hey, I know where everyone is. Let me lead you. You choose. I want you to be free. 
I want you, I don't want you to feel restricted or anything, but there's going to be some things that's going to blow up your life, blow up your relationships. You're going to be so discouraged and all this, and you're going to be hurting, and there's going to be pain, and you're going to, but, but I can lead you through it. I can lead you through it. That's not restricting. That's life giving. Wonderful words of life. So here's kind of the progression, and, 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 and this is the, know Him, love Him, believe Him, trust Him, obey Him. Okay, that's how it works. But here's what happens. A lot of us, we know about Him, and then we get all freaked out when we go, I don't know about obeying Him. I just, we don't, we're not real happy with that. We don't know Him. And it's hard to love somebody you don't know. You can love the idea of somebody, but you got to get to know them. And that's what this experience in God is all about, is us coming to get to know the God that is. Not a picture that the world is painted of Him, but our living God, sovereign God, loving God. Know Him, then love Him, believe Him, trust Him, obey Him. God's commands are designed to guide you to life's best. God's commands are designed to guide you to life's best. And if you really believe God is love, do you? If you really believe God is love, you will also accept the fact that His will is always best. Now here's the question. How can I know that God's will is always best? How can you know that God's will for your life whenever He's going, no, nah, I really don't want you to, I don't, I don't want you to do that. You're going, but I want sex now. No, nah, don't want you to do that. Yeah, but I want this job. I make a lot of money now. Uh, probably not. Yeah, but I want to talk about this person right now. Uh, no, probably not. I want revenge. No, no, no. How can I know that God's will is always best? couple things. This is just a review from the week. Number one, God is omniscient. I like using that word. Omniscient. I learned that in seminary. Uh, Y'all have all heard it, but it means that God is all-knowing. He knows. He knows. He knows you. He knows what's coming down. He knows what's around the corner. He can see beyond what you can see. God is all-knowing. Therefore, His directions are always trustworthy. They're trustworthy. You're going, oh, but I wanted that so bad. I wanted that. I wanted that new house so bad. It's just perfect. Yes, it was beyond my budget. He's going, no, 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 no. His, his, his directions are trustworthy. Second thing, God is omnipotent. We know what that means. He's all-powerful. Therefore, He can enable me to do His will. God is all-powerful. He wants you to know He will empower you to do what it is that He wants you to do. That's what Paul tells in Philippians. For it is God at work in you both to will and do His good pleasure. God gives you the want to to do what He wants you to do and then He gives you the power to do it. Let Him do it. How does He do that? Just by being in relationship with Him. Know Him. Love Him. When your life is... listen, The call to a relationship... Here's a couple more zingers from this week. The call to a relationship is also a call to be on mission with Him. So it's not automatic. It's not, oh, let's go, let's go, and we're going to spend the honeymoon with God for the rest of my life. No, 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 no. 
He calls you for a purpose. He wants you to love Him and know Him, but He's, he's got a purpose for your life. He's got a reason that you're breathing and living. He's got something He's wanting to do in you and through you. It's a call to be on mission with Him. And when your life is in the middle of God's activity, I love this one, He will rearrange your thinking. Huh. That's whenever we get on God think, we get on His page, He will rearrange your thinking. And that's so wonderful. That's so profound. And the way that you used to look at things, you're going to go, oh, that was kind of stupid. He will rearrange your, oh man, I was so smart and I had it all figured out. He's going to rearrange your thinking. Why? Because His ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. And His objective is to love you. And to call you into a relationship with Himself and then allow you to be involved in history. His story. Pretty awesome. The Bible's clear that God has always been involved in the world. As a matter of fact, it's His story. And when we read the Bible, we're reading God's redemptive activity in our world. And when He is about to do something, when He is about to do something, He takes the initiative and He comes to one or more of His people to let them know what He's about to do. That's the reason I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. In your groups, you've got that sheet that, I, that your, your leader said, hey, hey, just kind of keep that and just kind of check on that every now and again. What is God revealing about Himself? What is God revealing about His ways? What is God revealing about His will? What is God revealing about His purposes. Hey, also, how is God working in your life? What is God inviting us to do as an individual? What is He inviting us to do? Where is He at work in our church, in your life, in the world? Where is He at work? Amos 3.7, it goes back to the Old Testament. It says the sovereign Lord never does anything until He reveals His plans to His servants, the prophets. So now, guess who, guess who He gets to reveal it to? Me and you. That's just His way. That's His way. God's not up there hiding stuff. He's saying, I'm going to reveal this to you. I'm going to make it available to you. So, that's what God wants us to know. Is that a lot? Wow, you better go back and review some of that stuff. That's what He wants to know. Now, what does He want me and you to do? In response to that, you're going, really? We're going there? It's already five after, six after. No, it's going to be real quick. God hasn't told us to go and do what we can. He is already at work bringing a lost world to Himself. If we will adjust our lives to Him in a love relationship, He will show us where He is at work. That revelation is His invitation for us to join Him. Okay? Hey, Steve, I do need the chairs. Fair, come up here just a minute. You hate me, but I love you. All right, so can I get that? Uh, can you bring me up that uh, handheld mic? Okay, right here. Come on, Ferris. She said, I'm not ready. I said, I don't want you. All right, so here we go. Thank you. Because I want us to see how this looks in real life fashion. All right, you get to hold this. Now, you got to hold it kind of closer, else they're going to just crank it up, and we're going to hear you anyway. Okay. So, here, okay, i got a couple questions for her. Right here. Farah, God brought you, you've been here how, how long? About a year. About a year. All right, so God brought her around about a year ago. All right, and so I was going like, well, who's this, who's this chick? You know, 
<laughs> and then they said, oh, she belongs to Francisco. You've got to let her stay, you know. And I said, okay, you know. All right, so, but anyway, I mean, pretty much from the get-go, uh, she, she, she's just, I, I talked to her, and we get to discussing something that's just, that God has showed us, put on her heart, because through the circumstances, God speaks through His Holy Spirit, through His Word, right? And But He also speaks through the, uh, the, I mean, through the Bible, but He also speaks through the church, and He speaks through circumstance, He speaks through prayer. Well, there's some circumstances in her life that she really didn't have control over where her son actually enlisted, right? Okay. So she had done a pretty good job controlling and protecting his life. Not really. Um, you know, before no, that, <laughs> yeah, she tried. She thought she did. You know, controlling and protecting. But anyway, boom, he goes into service and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, you begin, he comes back and it's kind of a mess, right? He came back broken. He came back broken. Mm -hmm. Now, here's my question for you. So we got to talking and you're always talking about this WWH. Okay. And so that's Welcome Warriors Home. I want to know when did you first sense that God was doing something and he wanted to do something for those those warriors that were coming home? It happened while I was watching my son uh, experience his, his first year back. And um, my son's a Christian kid and very grounded, came back to a family that loved him and a wife that had um, basically made plans for him to be home. And what I watched is that he came back mentally and emotionally broken in a way that I could not penetrate. And, of course, the government offers them, uh, you know, certain things that they can do to help them with a counselor, that kind of thing. But I wasn't seeing my son um, thrive or recover. Um, and a lot of it was he was overwhelmed. Uh, a lot of it was he had lost his identity. I mean, literally these combat veterans, and, and all veterans have issues. Combat veterans returning home have more, but he came home without an identity. He, he didn't know where he fit anymore. The secular world doesn't feel the same as the uh, military world. He, they walk out the door with no paycheck. They walk out the door with no identity. They walk out the door with no purpose. They walk out the door with the well wishes, and then they're home, and they don't know what to do. So what I knew was it was a spiritual issue. So it's hard to, to reacclimate. I mean, just re-entering into our sweet little American society and culture. I mean, it's, it, it, it just hits you in the face. All right. Now, so mama's broken over this. Mama's praying, praying for her son. You know, daddy, I mean, it's like, what can we do, what we can do? But then you, you became aware that it's not just my boy. It's a bigger issue. It's a gigantic issue. Um, right now, there are 22 suicides a day in the first year of transition out of the military. That's 8,000 people a year. And that's their first year out. And if 8,000 kill themselves, I can't even imagine how many are drug addicted and depressed and isolated because they can't figure out how to get on with their life. So the thing that God laid on my heart was this was no longer for me about my son. It was about all of them. And so I, I'm an over learner. So I've been looking at every ministry and looking at every resource that's allowed for them. And there aren't that many spiritual ministries to the mentally wounded ones. There are to the ones that come back without legs and arms, but not so much to the ones that just need somebody to embrace them, love them, 
guide them and help them find a new identity. And of course, we all know that that identity needs to be in Christ, and the government does not have that as a tool in their toolkit. I think Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against. So, all right, so, so here's the deal. So she's seen her son, I mean, struggle through this, but then also reaching out. Two o'clock in the morning to guys that's got a gun to their head, ready to just end it all. You know, these are young men. These are young men, and, and so women. and when, yeah. So I mean, it's just like, just overwhelmed, overwhelmed. All right. So all of a sudden, you began to think, okay, like wait a minute, there could be a ministry there. You. So really, what it is is that God's going. I want to do something for these people. Okay, now, but what are some of the ways that it looks like? Because when we think, okay, what can I do? What can you do to help these guys? And a lot of them are cray-cray. I mean, I've got some friends. I mean, they cray-cray, and they cuss like sailors and Marines and armies and da-da, and they're crazy and wild and all of this stuff. And you're going, what can I do? Because I'm just a little church lady. I'm a little church guy and all that. What can I do? But guess what? There are some practical things that we can do. So tell me a little bit, like, what, what can we do? I mean, what are some things that could be done that demonstrate we care and that God cares? Well, my, my thinking right now is that um, they need to be loved, honored, and encouraged. And so I think that the first thing is to find a way of reaching them. And I think that I have um, some gifts that God has given me. I'm a consolidator of information, so I'm thinking I can build a website that could draw people to me. I think that I need to have a hotline. I think I, the church could reach out to them. I can see going to deployment returns at bases in Fort Benning and Fort Campbell, which are close enough to drive to, welcome them home, tell them there's a resource that we could provide that would give them guidance in their first year of transition have some great leaders speaking on video about welcoming them home, inviting them to connect with what I think should be a church-wide, you know, a nationwide church veterans small group program, which ultimately would allow every young man and woman who comes home to have someone to connect with and see them through. All right, so here's, so, so yeah, okay, so several things that she's mentioned. It's like, you know, one, one thing is just be there. You like, whenever they come back, be there. You, you know, be present. It's they called the ministry of presence. Just go, hey, welcome back. We care about you. She's all, also, I mean, put it in her mind, oh, how about a welcome home basket that has all this practical, tangible stuff in it that's going to be a resource whenever they're here. You know, back like, okay, this will help you get, get connected there, there. So there's some information there, some goodies there, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then also just, uh, just uh, individuals that can help connect them as far as jobs and things of that nature, invest in them. You know, so guess what? You go, I don't know. I don't know what I, oh, you could be present. You could actually take a road trip. Tammy loves to drive. She'll probably take you down there. And then when they're coming back, you go, hey, we care. Number two, oh, oh I do baskets. I love baskets. Ooh, I love packing baskets. Yeah, you give me the information. She's going to have a list of information, and it could be that. Number three, it's like, hey, guess what? I would be willing to sit down and, and help because I know my identity in Christ. I would be willing to sit down with... Uh, an individual or a group of individuals that you know, may perhaps in this area where you know, if God shows up, you know, in, in this area, and just tell them how much they are loved by God and help them 
in a practical and tangible way. So let me ask you this question. So there, there, that's some of the stuff. Um, are you committed? Let's see, because see, God is, you know this. See, see, God has invited you to join Him and be involved in what He's doing. See, that's what He's doing, but He's invited you. And we've had these discussions and it's overwhelming to her. It is. It's overwhelming to her and she cries every time we talk about it. And I say, oh, Doug. I feel uh, the know. pain. Yeah, okay. So, she, so, so God's put that on her heart. Okay, but guess what? It's not hers to do. It's God's, right? It's God's. Now, I do know this. I believe this with all my heart. That He has invited you to join Him in this. Now, are you willing to make the adjustment to join Him in doing this? Yeah, you are. Yeah, I've, y'all have already seen. Okay, you are. All right. All right. But here, you, you're willing to make the adjustment. Now, I don't know. I don't know. It may be. See, part of what it may be. Okay, I'm going to hit pause on that. All right, thank you. Love you. Go. You're a stinker so, for more. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Whatever. All right, so. Okay, here's a good example of this. And then we'll, we'll be done. Can we... Uh, can we hold that closed? That was a beautiful close. We're going to do that next week. Okay. Um, let me just say this. So what do we do? Number one, love Him and trust Him. Love Him and trust Him. And this is, this is our verse. What do we? God wants us to know He's at work and He's inviting us to be involved with Him in His work. Okay. What do our first and foremost deal is go out there and take charge. No, love Him. Trust Him. Love Him. Trust Him. Second thing, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Look and see where he's working. See, she's been watching for quite a while. Luke's been watching. And she's got other people watching, watching and praying, watching and praying. You know, and the, the psalmist, you know, this is our texture. In the morning, O oh Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will prepare for you and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart. Well, he's spoken to her heart. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. And we see what God is going to push up, what God is going to orchestrate. And then, and then the last one is listen and adjust. Listen and adjust. God speaks when He is about to accomplish His purposes. We listen, listen. We just listen to her, what God has put on her heart. Now, I know God's called her to do something with this. I don't know if God's called Crosspoint to do anything to this. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to love Jesus and we're going to trust Him. That if, it, if, if He wants us to be a part of this, we're committed to make whatever adjustments He's called us to make in order to join Him in it. One of the, th- one of the, th- one of the understandings from this whole experience in God is also we need to be very mindful and careful and watchful to who God brings to the body because there's usually a reason. And y'all saw examples after examples this week, you know, when somebody just go, God, they, went to their, they went to His church by accident. But it wasn't by accident. So we need to be ready to make the adjustments that God is calling us to make. So we just listen. We listen to Him. We position ourselves before Him and we listen to what He has to say. Y'all ready to do that? God's not MIA, folks. He is not MIA. 
He's at work. And He is wanting to wrap me and you up in it. And He's wanting to do some extraordinary things through a people that are willing to trust Him. I'm in. Are you? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You so much for Your great love and grace and the opportunity that we have to just be loved by You. Thank You for enriching our lives through, through servants like Pharaoh who, who's carrying a burden. But Lord, Lord, I pray that, that we as a body would come around her and lift her up. And also, Lord, be watching and praying and listening to You and to Your leadership in our heart and our life. Lord, I pray today that, that for those who came in this morning who put a zero as far as their relationship with You, that You'd take it, Lord, all the way to knowing Jesus and accepting Him into their life. They would come and acknowledge their need for You, Jesus, and that they would receive You as their personal Lord and Savior by faith. Lord, we also just pray that for each of us, Lord, any of the stinking thinking that we've had and, and Lord, the, the unbelief that, is, that has kept us locked in and imprisoned, Lord, that You would just expose that and blow that up as we allow You to love us and as we love You and we respond to Your Word to us. For Your words are life. For we make this our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.